Chapter six of the Backwash of War by Ellen Newbald Lamont. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter six The Interval as an orderly errar wasn't much good he never waited upon the patients if he could help it and when he couldn't help it he was so disagreeable that they wished they had not asked him for things the newcomers who had been in the hospital only a few days used to think he was deaf since he failed to hear their requests and they did not like to yell at him out of consideration for their comrades in the adjoining beds nor was he a success at sweeping the ward since he did it with the broom in one hand and a copy of the petit parisien in the other in fact when he sat down on a bed away at the end and frankly gave himself up to a two-year-old copy of le rire sent out with a lot of old magazines for the patients he was no less effective than when he sulkily worked there was just one thing he liked and did well and that was to watch for the generals he was an expert in recognizing them when they were as yet a long way off he used to slouch against the window-panes and keep a keen eye upon the toitois on such days or at such hours as the generals were likely to appear upon catching sight of the oak leaves in the distance he would at once notify the ward so that the orderlies and the nurse could tidy up things before the general made rounds he had a very keen eye for oak leaves the golden oak leaves on the general's kepi and he never by any chance gave a false alarm or mistook a colonel in the distance and so put us to tidying up unnecessarily he did not help with the work of course but continued leaning against the window reporting the general's progress up the trottoir that he had now gone into salle three that he had left salle three and was conversing outside salle two that he was now positively on his way up the incline leading to salle one and would be upon us any minute sometimes the general lingered unnecessarily long on the incline the wooden slope leading up to the ward in which case he was not visible from the window and arar would amuse us by regretting that he had no periscope for the transom over the door there were two generals who visited the hospital the big general the important one the commander of the region who was always beautiful to look upon in his tight well-fitting black jacket trimmed with astrakhan who came from his limousine with a normandy stick dangling from his wrist and who wore spotless clean gloves this the big general came to decorate the men who were entitled to the croix de guerre and the medaille militaire and after he had decorated one or two as the case might be he usually continued on through the hospital shaking hands here and there with the patients and chatting with the directrice and with the doctors and officers who followed in his wake the other general was not nearly so imposing he was short and fat and dressed in a grey-blue uniform of the shade known as invisible and his kepi was hidden by a grey-blue cover with a little square hole cut out in front so that an inch of oak leaves might be seen he was much more formidable than the big general however since he was the médecin inspecteur of the region and was responsible for all the hospitals thereabouts 
he made rather extensive rounds closely questioning the surgeons as to the wounds and treatment of each man and as he was a doctor as well he knew how to judge of the replies whereas the big general was a soldier and not a doctor and was thus unable to ask any disconcerting questions so that his visits while tedious were never embarrassing when a general came on the place it was a signal to down tools the surgeons would hurriedly finish their operations or postpone them if possible and the dressings in the wards were also stopped or postponed while the surgeons would hurry after the general whichever one it was and make deferential rounds with him if it took all day and as it usually took at least two hours the visits of the generals one or both meant considerable interruption to the hospital routine sometimes by chance both generals arrived at the same time which meant that there were double rounds beginning at opposite ends of the enclosure and the surgeons were in a quandary as to whose suit they should attach themselves and the days when it was busiest when the work was hardest when there was more work than double the staff could accomplish in twenty-four hours were the days that the generals usually appeared there were some days when it was very bad in a field hospital just as there are some days when there is nothing to do and the whole staff is practically idle the bad days are those when the endless roar of the guns makes the little wooden barraques rock and rattle and when endless processions of ambulances drive in and deliver broken ruined men and then drive off again to return loaded with more wrecks the beds in the salle de temps where the ambulances unload are filled with heaps under blankets coarse hobnailed boots stick out from the blankets and sometimes the heaps which are men moan or are silent on the floor lie piles of clothing filthy muddy blood-soaked torn or cut from the silent bodies on the beds the stretcher-bearers step over these piles of dirty clothing or kick them aside as they lift the shrinking bodies to the brown stretchers and carry them across one by one to the operating-room the operating-room is filled with stretchers lying in rows upon the floor waiting their turn to be emptied to have their burdens lifted from them to the high operating tables and as fast as the stretchers are emptied the stretcher-bearers hurry back to the salle de temps where the ambulances dump their loads and come over to the operating-room again with fresh lots three tables going in the operating-room and the white-gowned surgeons stand so thick around the tables that you cannot see what is on them there are stretchers lying on the floor of the corridor and against the walls of the operating-room and more ambulances are driving in all the time from the operating-room they are brought into the wards these bandaged heaps from the operating-tables these heaps that once were men the clean beds of the ward are turned back to receive them to receive the motionless bandaged heaps that are lifted shoved or rolled from the stretchers to the beds again and again all day long the procession of stretchers comes into the wards the foremost bearer kicks open the door with his knee and lets in ahead of him a blast of winter rain which sets dancing the charts and papers lying on the table and blows out the alcohol lamp over which the syringe is boiling some one bangs the door shut the unconscious form is loaded on the bed 
he is heavy and the bed sags beneath his weight the brancardiers gather up their red blankets and shuffle off again leaving cakes of mud and streaks of muddy water on the green linoleum outside the guns roar and inside the barracks shake and again and again the stretcher-bearers come into the ward carrying dying men from the high tables in the operating-room they are all that stand between us and the guns these wrecks upon the beds others like them are standing between us and the guns others like them who will reach us before morning wrecks like these they are old men most of them the old troops gray and bearded there is an attack going on that does not mean that the germans are advancing it just means that the ambulances are busy for these old troops these old wrecks upon the beds are holding up the germans otherwise we should be swept out of existence our hospital ourselves would be swept out of existence were it not for these old wrecks upon the beds these filthy bearded dying men upon the beds who are holding back the germans more like them in the trenches are holding back the germans by to-morrow these others too will be with us bleeding dying but there will be others like them in the trenches to hold back the germans this is the day of an attack yesterday was the day of an attack the day before was the day of an attack the guns are raising hell seven kilometres beyond us and our barracks shake and tremble with their thunder these men grey and bearded dying in our clean beds wetting our clean sheets with the blood that oozes from their dressings have been out there moaning in the trenches when they die we will pull off the bloody sheets and replace them with fresh clean ones and turn them back neatly waiting for the next agonizing man we have many beds and many fresh sheets and so we are always ready for these old hairy men who are standing between us and the germans they seem very weak and frail and thin how can they do it these old men last summer the young boys did it now it is the turn of these old men there are three dying in the ward today. It will be better when they die. The German shells have made them ludicrous, repulsive. We see them in this awful interval between life and death, this interval when they are gross, absurd, fantastic. Life is clean and death is clean, but this interval between the two is gross, absurd, fantastic. Over there, down at the end, is Royat he came in three days ago a piece of shell penetrated his right eyelid a little wound so small that it was not worth addressing yet that little piece of obus lodged somewhere inside his skull above his left ear so the radiographist says and he's paralyzed paralyzed all down the other side and one supine hand flops about and one supine leg flops about in jerks one bleary eye stays open and the other eyelid stays shut over the other bleary eye meningitis has set in and it won't be long now before we'll have another empty bed yellow foam flows down his nose thick yellow foam bubbles of it bursting bubbling yellow foam 
it humps up under his nose and up and up in bubbles and the bubbles burst and run in turgid streams down upon his shaggy beard on the wall above his bed hang his medals they are hung up high up so he can see them he can't see them today because now he is unconscious but yesterday and the day before before he got as bad as this he could see them and it made him cry he knew he had been decorated in extremis because he was going to die and he did not want to die so he sobbed and sobbed all the while the general decorated him and protested that he did not want to die he'd saved three men from death earning those medals and at the time he never thought of death himself yet in the ward he sobbed and sobbed and protested that he did not want to die back of those red screens is henri he is a priest mobilized as infirmier a good one too and very tender and gentle with the patients he comes from the ward next door salle too and is giving extreme unction to the man in that bed back of the red screens peek through the screens and you can see henri in his shirt sleeves with a little crumpled purple stole around his neck no the patient has never regained consciousness since he's been here but henri says it's all right he may be a catholic better to take chances it can't hurt him anyway if he isn't i am glad henri is back of those red screens a few minutes ago he came down the ward in search of absorbent cotton for the holy oils and then he got so interested watching the doctors doing dressings stayed so long watching them that i thought he would not get back again behind the screens in time see that man in the bed next he's dying too they trepanned him when he came he can't speak but we got his name and regiment from the medal on his wrist he wants to write isn't it funny he has a block of paper and a pencil and all day long he writes writes on the paper always and always over and over again he writes on the paper and he gives the paper to everyone who passes he's got something on his mind that he wants to get across before he dies but no one can understand him no one can read what he has written it is just scrawl scribbles unintelligible day and night for he never sleeps he writes on that block of paper and tears off the sheets and gives them to every one who passes and no one can understand for it is just illegible unintelligible scribbles once we took the paper away to see what he would do and then he wrote with his finger upon the wooden frame of the screen the same thing scribbles but they made no mark on the screen and he seemed so distressed because they made no mark that we gave him back his paper again and now he's happy or i suppose he's happy he seems content when we take this paper and pretend to read it he seems happy scribbling those words that are words to him but not to us careful don't stand too close he spits yes all the time at the end of every line he spits far too way across the ward don't you see that his bed and the bed next are covered with rubber sheets that's because he spits big spits too far across the ward and always he writes incessantly day and night 
he writes on that block of paper and spits way across the ward at the end of every line he's got something on his mind that he wants to get across do you think he's thinking of the germans he's dying though he can't spit so far to-day as he did yesterday death is dignified and life is dignified but the intervals are awful they are ludicrous repulsive is that errar calling calling that the generals are coming both of them together hurry tidy up the ward rub away the froth from under roland's nose pull his sheets straight take that wet towel and clean the mackintosh upon that bed and the bed adjoining see if henri's finished take away the screens pull the sheets straight tidy up the ward tell the others not to budge the generals are coming paris nine may nineteen sixteen end of chapter six